Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And today we're going to talk about goals. Yeah, uh, goals are pretty important to keep you motivated and keep you growing and progressing at the game. And I mean life in general, but yep. we're, we're talking about magic here, so we'll keep it keep it focused on that. Magic is not life? Well, I am confused. Yeah. <laughs> We're casual tryhards here. We're not pros. <laughs> this, is, this is very true. Very true. Very true. I went to work today. Yeah, so did uh, I. So we have a goal, mm-hmm. which is uh, we'd like you to contact us. Absolutely. Uh, how can they do that? Well, they can uh, tweet at us at uh, Casual Tripod. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us at Casual Tryhard MTG on Facebook, and you can email us at show at Casual and your interaction is particularly going to be important this coming week because we want to do question and answer about. M20? Yeah. Or I guess Core 20 now. Yeah. Uh, we did a short segment um, in our the Modern Horizons episode where uh, we answered some quick questions from, basically, they're mostly friends of ours local to the game store there. We wanted to open it up to everybody. Kind of liked the way that segment went, and uh, I'd like to expand it a little. So if you have any any questions you want answered, any anything specific you want talked about, please let us know. If you want me to answer questions about your Bear Commander deck, apparently uh, sure. this is a thing that I might have to do. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to do another video episode next week. Mm-hmm. So look out for that. Again, it'll get, I think the the audio will go up at the normal time. Yep. And the video goes up shortly, a little before, a little after, depending on the editing schedule. Yep. So, yeah, please hit us up. Please, please, please. This topic of goals came up from a Facebook post from someone. Mm-hmm. One of our friends, a guy that we used to play with pretty frequently, but we kind of don't play with as much anymore. He Life got in his way, and he doesn't play so much. So He, like, adulted up or something. Yeah. But he was like, why should I bother to play if there's not a clear way to, I don't know if it was so much reach the Pro Tour or, like, yeah. reach the upper echelon, like the MPL. Yeah. Like, there's there's no clear way right. to, to do that. I think, like... With the dissolution of like the pro club, right, and pro points, pro points was the biggie. I think that's mainly what he was concerned yeah. with was uh, no more pro points going forward, and what that does to you know queuing for the pro tour and all that. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, James is one of the last humans to ever get a pro point. Uh, yeah, I believe this weekend Seattle. Well, last weekend was Seattle. Well, so yeah, Seattle that's was, what yeah. I meant. This past weekend uh, was the last place where you could get a pro point yeah so james is one of the the, the last few he will forever be That's two right. pro points in two the, pro points in the uh in the group chat so what there used to be is there used to be uh pro club levels mm-hmm. you got a certain number of pro points and you earn pro points basically for going like 10 and 5 or above at a gp mm-hmm. or that was that, that was it right i guess at, at the pro tour the, yeah you got points from playing at a pro tour um, did PPTQs give you? No, they no, didn't. No, PPTQs right? didn't. I don't know if RPTQs did, and I don't know if PTQs did either. Yeah. Uh, GPs, if you went 10-5, you got one. Mm-hmm. If you went 11-4, uh, you got two, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Like, if you won the thing, you got 10 or something. Yeah. And those could be added up. I think you could add up, like, six GPs or something, and that got you to one of... The pro club levels. Yeah, you were allowed to... I forget how it worked. You were allowed to drop like a couple of your worst. Or it was like you could only take your six best. Is that what it was? Yeah, so there were a lot of people that were like, well, this GP doesn't matter for me unless I finish 12-3 or better because right. I have to replace it at 11-4. Yeah. Right. 
And so the idea was is that you could they incur that would encourage you to go to GPs. Mm-hmm. And if you got a certain number of points, you got a bronze invite, which I think got you like a spot in an RPTQ. You yeah. could just cash it in and show up at an RPTQ without having to win a PPTQ. Right. If you were silver, you got to cash that in for one Pro Tour invite. Yep. So people that went to like Pro Tours like over and over and over again, if they had like a rough patch and they were silver, they could like go to the next Pro Tour and right. hope to spike it to, to get an invite for the next one. Yep. Gold was an invite to all the Pro Tours? Uh, yeah. And platinum was... All a, the Pro Tours plus like appearance yeah, fee you got or hotel or something? Fee. I, think, I think it was just an appearance fee. Yeah. So that was a way that people could quote unquote, stay on the train, right? Right. They just keep uh, chaining pro tours together. Mm -hmm. Well, it also, like it made sense, in my opinion, it made sense from Wizards' point of view also because like players that played enough and were skilled enough to reach like gold and platinum, like they they were kind of the face of the game. You wanted them there. So it made sense for you to, you know, give them invites, give them some incentive to show up to these big events. Yeah, I mean, it also incentivized them to go to GPs. I think there were two MPL members at the GP we were at. Um, it was Autumn and Seth. Yeah. That was it. Yep. And it used to be that you would just run into... All of them. Everyone. Every yeah. pro would be at like almost every GP. Yep. Just because they had to because they needed to spike it to get their pro points mm-hmm. to like keep playing. Yep. I think the... I don't know if I talked about it on, on an episode here or not, but the first GP I ever went to, we went out to eat afterwards and there was... Like Tom Ross and LSV and BBD just like hanging out eating a cheeseburger next to us. It was kind of cool. Yeah. So that system all kind of went away. Yep. And has been replaced by question mark. Uh, Mostly question mark, yeah. If your goal was to, you know, kind of get to that gold platinum level, Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of gone away. And I think that for most of our listeners... That's not really the goal. Right. That's not not something that you're probably going to attain anyway. What are kind of the goals that our listeners can like reasonably shoot shoot for? I think we could divide it into like two chunks. We said like kind of like online, like yeah. arena-based goals and then like paper goals. Arena is pretty much already has your goals built into it for you. There's the progression through rank. You know, you start bronze and move up to silver and gold and platinum, diamond, mythic. They're the levels are built built in there for you. Um, so it's kind of a clear-cut goal for you to reach. You know, after you hit Mythic or whatever, um, maybe your next goal is to hit Ranked Mythic. And then after that, it's to, like, spike an Arena MCQ. Yeah. Then, I guess, win a Mythic Championship. Yeah. Because the guy who won came through Yeah. He came through one system. of those, yeah. Yeah. Because being in South America, there's not a ton of ways to qualify. Yeah, and I think there's even less now from what I heard. Yeah, there's like less GPs there. And yeah, and so uh, less less MCQs too, less paper MCQs. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, you can go through Arena. A lot of the Arena ladder, I think we've talked about, is just like games. Right. You just have to jam games. Now, the higher your win percentage, the less games you have to jam, but mm-hmm. it's still almost a brute force kind of thing. Yeah, you're just running your face into a wall until, until you yeah, get where you you're have, going. If you have a 55% win rate, you will get to Mythic. Mm-hmm. I was playing like four to 600 games of best of one in a month. That's a lot. When we're having a lot of data, there were a lot of weeks where there were 140 games. Wow. And that was mainly me. Yeah. And then the the week I made Mythic the first time, that week I know I put in like, I ran hot and I put in 100 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Sunday to Thursday. Man. 
Yeah. And, you know, that has that has tapered off some. Yeah. Because it is less enjoyable than it should be. Yeah. As we'll mention later, I haven't had a whole lot of time to play Arena the last couple of weeks, so. Yeah. But, I mean, the Arena goals, you know, starting out like, hey, I want to get to gold. Because mm-hmm. I think gold is... Gold is pretty easy to attain. Yeah, and gold's where you start, um, like having a more stable meta, where you're running yeah. into like actual meta decks instead of bears or whatever. Yeah, and getting through gold, I think is doable. Mm-hmm. I think it's a time thing. Yeah, uh, or just running hot. I decided to. I started playing Boris Feather mm-hmm. like a week ago. I went twelve two and got through uh, in in matches and yeah. got through uh, gold in like two days. Yeah, and I was like, huh. Are we playing uh, best of one or best of three? Best of three. I was okay. I was twelve and two in matches. Okay, so that's a lot of steps up. Yep. I was like, huh, but like sometimes you run hot and you just kind of tear through it, and other times it's just a slog because, you know, magic. Right. Right. But I think you can easily kind of pick a level that you want to get to. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get to platinum just because they give you an extra shiny card. Oh, okay. You get one shiny card at gold, mm-hmm. but you get two shiny cards at uh Ooh. or two like card styles yeah. at at platinum. And I was like, well I should at least try to get the platinum so I can get this extra thing. Yeah. I actually uh, after I did the show notes yesterday I felt awful for not having played Arena in like two weeks. So I signed on and I want to say I was like silver four or something. It had dropped me way back. Just I hadn't been playing. Like I hadn't really played at all since the reset. I didn't know. Okay, I didn't. Maybe it reset you down there because you were at gold yeah. before. Yeah. By the end of the night, I was halfway through gold again. So bronze and silver, they're structured differently, right? right? Yeah. You get two two slots per win for, in best of one. Yeah. And you only go down one. Yeah. So it's designed to get you to gold. Yep. Relatively quickly. So, yes, yeah, so you can make your arena goals. I think those are pretty straightforward. Yep. And then, you know, from that, like, then that kind of leads to the bigger goal of MCQ weekend and, yeah. you know, living the dream. Yep. Hopefully. Having your opponent multi four and in your worst match or multi five in your worst matchup. Right, right. So then there are your paper goals. Yeah. Paper's a little bit different. Um, and paper's different for everybody, also. There's a whole lot of, whole lot of different reasons that people play paper magic. And it's been a while for me, like since I was, you know, newish to the game, like starting out or whatever and trying to come up with my own goals. I think one of my early goals was to like take down an FNM, right? Like that's kind of like where you're playing your most paper magic and, you know, the highest competitive scene that happens on a regular basis is FNM. Yeah. I mean, I know when I started way, way back, Mm -hmm. right, it was just like, you know, beating the friends I was playing with. So you had that like very small, like inbred meta. And then when I restarted, I was like, well, yeah, I want to try to win one of these FNMs. And it seemed super unattainable initially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It took, it took me a long time. I think I was playing for, I'm trying to think now. I started back with the game in Theros. And then I don't think it was till after M15 came out that I uh, went undefeated in an FNM. So, like a year, a little bit over a year? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just remember uh, the cons pre-releases. Mm-hmm. I think I won four of them, or mm-hmm. three out of the five or something. And I was like, I'm pretty good at this. And I got <laughs> stomped in Fate Reforged. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm less good at this now. Well, that's another one. It's taken down a pre-release. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. Going undefeated in a pre-release is, uh, depending on the pre-release, sometimes is a little bit more attainable than going undefeated in an FNM. So that could be, that could be a... An alternative goal and one coming up shortly. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, it's not even going undefeated at an FNM, right? Like getting the promo card, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you've been going 1-3, yep. right? And they give promo cards for going 3-1, mm-hmm. right? Just like getting those two extra wins. Yep. Right. Or just seeing a little bit of improvement. Yep. That was uh, our friend Chris, part owner of the local game store here, is relatively new to Magic. He had only started getting into Magic when he, uh, you know, bought into the game store. And he's been trying really hard over the last six months or so to get, you know, better at the game. And that was his thing. Is he, he said he could only ever go 3-1. Uh, and one. He couldn't ever get the last win. No matter what he did, he couldn't ever get the last win. He could only go 3-1. and one. And then I think like three or four weeks ago, he finally, finally got his, his fourth win. Oh, there we go. So that I mean, that's a pretty attainable goal. I mean, mm-hmm. it depends on your store, but it's a pretty attainable goal. Yep. And something you can like work towards. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about it before. Like even like attending. I guess they're now MCQs. Yeah. Right. Attending an MCQ, doing okay at an MCQ. Uh, just showing up. A lot of people don't even show up to them because they think it's above their above their level. The last one that we went to in Columbia here, we went with a bunch of regular like of the FNM crowd. And almost none of them had ever been to like a big event before. No, definitely not a hundred plus person event. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a bunch of them did really well. Like there was three of them that were, that had at least four wins. Yeah. Which is fine. Which yeah, is good. That's great. They had a winning record. Yeah. So like just going to an event like that is a good step. And mm-hmm. then I'm not going to say that maybe your goal is to win one, mm-hmm. but like maybe your goal, you know, more realistically is to go. Four three or to like do well enough to like win your entry fee back. Yep. Let that be like actual money or in packs. <laughs> yeah. But to get to break even to like mm-hmm. okay this trip just cost me gas and food. Yep. I am I super even. happy with getting my entry fee back most of the time. Yeah. Things like that because I mean the competition is pretty stiff. Yeah, especially when you get to the the bigger events like an MCQ. Yeah. You're talking you know the best players from realistically your entire state a lot of times. Sometimes from outside of your state. Yeah. And then day twoing a GP. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing for me. That was also a huge thing for me. My first day two was, I was over the moon. Yeah, I uh, thought I had an awful sealed deck. and I still think I kind of had an awful sealed deck, but I but I got there. Yep, that's all that counts is you got there. Yeah, so there's a little more variance yeah. in, in your GP competition a lot of times, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning. Right. But for the most part... Like, I think that's a reasonable goal. Like, 6-2 is not unattainable. It's not right. easy, but it's... It's something a competent player could absolutely do, though. Yeah, it's a, and, I mean, it's like anything else in Magic. It takes, like, a couple good top decks. Right. Right. I mean, a lot of Magic games come down to, well, if I draw this card, I win. Mm-hmm. If I don't draw this card, I lose. Yep. If on your GP day you get to three of those and you draw your card three times... Yep. Hey, you're 6-2. Yep. I mean, that's that's totally attainable. Mm-hmm. And again, part of it is showing up. Like, part of it yeah. is showing up and going, like, one and seven. You do that a two bunch. two and six. And kind of getting the, like, nerves out mm-hmm. of, like, oh. Getting used to playing in that environment. Yeah. I think a lot of people get, like, comp REL, competitive yeah. REL. People are like, oh, oh, no. And it's like, eh. It's yeah, it's like whatever. the same stuff. Yeah. Right? It's what you should be doing anyway. It's not a big deal. Yep. And then the last one, I think, is for uh, both of us, kind of our goal, though I think that realistically we realize we're not putting right a ton into it. Yeah. 
right? And that's like making the Pro Tour. Yep, I, I mean, would love to make the Pro Tour. Do I, mean, I see myself there? Probably not, but... I mean, we want to like make it and then just be like super happy to have gone there. No, oh, yeah. try to win. I would definitely try to win. Oh, and I yeah. wouldn't just be like, oh, if we go one and eight, it'll be fine. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'd be angry. But I think just like getting there. But there comes a point where I think realistically, where it's like a lot of these people are playing eight hours a day, right? Seven days a week, traveling every weekend, and you didn't play for a week and a half, right? And I've been, like, getting my four wins on Arena and then just being like, meh, I'll go do something else now. Yeah. I think either one of us is probably good enough to, like, spike Mm -hmm. an MCQ uh, or, like, make a good deck call and, like, do really well. Or, you know, day two a GP and run hot. Yeah. But I don't think it's something that either one of us realistically would be like, oh, I'm totally going to do this in the next six months. It's like, "Mm." You got to have some luck on your side, especially like you said, for the amount of time that we have to devote to it. Yeah, there can be a little bit of luck, and like we don't have the ability to go to every GP right. and try to get a Pro Tour invite, or right. go to every MCQ within like ten hours. Yeah, I mean we do as much as we can, but yeah, but like we're not going to just go like yeah. Oh, there's an MCQ in Jacksonville. Yeah, I've always wanted to eat at an Applebee's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, actually, at uh, GPDC, I had one of my opponents during day one uh, ask me where I was from and told him I was from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He said, wow, that's a long way for you. I said, well, it was like seven hours, seven and a half hours, whatever. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't go to a GP that far away. I was like, well, we try try to go to all of them within like eight hours of us. I mean, there's there's only so many big events, and we like going to the big events. So Yeah, there's there's really, yeah, so you've got to like kind of make your... Yeah, make your your choices now. Granted, if he's like in the D.C. area, right? right? Yeah, there's, there's a one. Bunch. In, there's going to be one in Richmond. There's yeah. going to be one in D.C. every year. Yeah, be one in Philly probably every year. Yeah, Jersey. Yeah, so like they come to him. Right, we have to go. Yeah, we we have a we, we build a convention center. They will not come. They will not come. <laughs> but like, look at where kind of where you are mm-hmm. and what you what a reasonable like first goal for you is. Like yeah. if you've if you just started playing Magic three months ago on Arena, maybe your goal isn't, I'm going to make the Pro Tour. <laughs> right. Right. Like, you need to kind of, like, pair it back and be like, you know what? My goal is I want to hit Diamond this month. Mm-hmm. Right? And work towards that. Yeah. And then maybe your goal isn't focused on Arena after that. Maybe it's get into paper. Maybe it's yeah. you go to an FNM. Yeah. And then go from there. Like, oh, this is harder. Okay. Like, now my goal is I want to, like, build this deck. Right. And then get that deck put together. And now, like, okay, now I have my deck. Now I want to 3 1 my effort. I want to have a positive record or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I think, like, starting with like reasonable goals, his goal is I want to go to the Pro Tour. It's like, cool, but there's like a lot of steps before yeah. that. Everybody wants to go to the Pro Tour. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to play in the NBA, but I'm like short and fat and can't jump. Like, there, <laughs> there are limitations. Yeah. Right. You got to work with what God gave you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good sitting down yeah. and thinking. Yeah. So, we're going to do that. But the same kind of thing, right? If you're like, I want to go to the pro tour and you like don't look at it as like a progression, you're going to feel like a failure. Like even if your goal is to four your F&M, mm-hmm. right? If you three one, but you feel like you played better than you did the week before, mm-hmm. right? That's a win. Absolutely. Right? Like you can like you can have really small, goal, small goals as like, hey, last week I missed four triggers on something. Mm-hmm. This week, I'm not going to miss any triggers. Or maybe your goal is just to beat that one person that you can't beat. 
Yeah. Those are the kind of the smaller things that you can you can do to kind of like make make yourself feel like you're making progress. Yep. Because if you get too far like zoomed out, like yeah. you're like I want to go four out F and M, and you're going one three. It's like okay. Yeah, you, you got some to, work to do. You till need to you give get yourself there. some little steps yeah. to to get there, so you don't just feel like, well, I'm a failure. I didn't get there. Give mm-hmm. yourself something smaller. Like I want to go two two. Yep. Or I want to play better. Yep. Or I always I always forget that Narset has a static ability. Right. I'm not going to forget that. I'm not going to try to like cast my second opt on their turn. Yeah. Okay. We are better now. Right. So just little things like that, like improving mm-hmm. is a reasonable goal. Absolutely. That's actually a really important goal too. A lot of the best games of magic I've ever had didn't end up in me winning, but they ended in such a way that I learned something from the game. I learned an interaction. I learned how to sequence something differently and I got something out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The games I lose are always the worst games of magic, but that's right. Well, and, and I don't know that that's always true, though. I've oh. had a lot of really good games that I did not win. Yeah. Yeah, I always have a hard time, like, you know, someone's like, it was a really good game when I lost. I'm like, was it really that good then? Well, like, you yeah. tilt a lot harder than I do, though. I do. I typically don't get tilted. Like, uh, a good example was War pre-release. I lost my last round to get knocked out of prize support to one of our friends, McRae. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the best game of Magic I had played in six, eight months. It was awesome, but I lost. Yeah. You're I, a better I think it was a great game. So we said that they kind of got rid of the old pro club system. Yeah, and it's like they really didn't replace it with anything all at once. Like Wizards has been kind of uh, trickling out bits of random information to us that makes it kind of hard to know what your next goal should be. Yeah, so I spent a whole bunch of time yesterday trying to find all these little pieces of information and put them down here. Yeah, so... First of all, we're going to have, like, how can you make it to the Pro Tour? If your ultimate goal is to get to the Pro Tour, Mm -hmm. right? So how can you do that? The first one that I came really close to last weekend is uh, going X and 2 at a Grand Prix. So that's 13 and 2. Yep. All the time, top 8 of a GP makes the Pro Tour. Yep. So they have this 13 and 2 cut. So people that would have, in a normal GP, 13 and 2 makes top 8. So now people that hit 13 and 2 but didn't get in on breakers. Right. Or if the GP was exceptionally large and there were a bunch of like 13 one and ones mm-hmm. those people don't get totally hosed because they were just like, yeah. they did really well at just a giant GP. Yeah. So it's it's 39 points, right? It's yes. Thir- if you earn 39 match points during a GP, uh, you get an invite to the Pro Tour. Unless it's a team Pro Tour, then it's 36 match points. Right. Team GP. Or the, I'm sorry, yeah, Team GP. So yep. if you go and like do like Team Limited, yep. you only need to go 12-3. Yep. Because I think there's just less actual well, it's a, teams. It's a smaller tournament, yeah. Yeah, there are less actual teams. Yeah, well, same number of players, but less, yeah, less teams. Less teams, yeah. yeah. There's 1,200 people are there, but there are only 400 teams. Right. This is one we've talked about before, which is just win an MCQ. Mm-hmm. Show up at a 150-person tournament. Take it down. Take it down. Win, make top eight, win top eight. Yep. Easy um, game, easy life. Sure. I mean, that's that's the plan every time we show up to one. Yeah, I never show up to one thinking I'm going to lose. Right. <laughs> Sometimes very quickly, I'm like, I'm going to lose. <laughs> but I don't I don't walk in the door. There's not a ton of info on these going forward. Um, they have not released the next round of MCQs yet. We don't know when they are. We don't know where they are. They, I believe, are quarterly. Like there, So there should be a set of MCQs for, M, for core 20. Yeah. And then... So it, Magic sets are released on the quarter, so yep. I think every quarter you have a new set of MCQs. But this last time, they kind of seemed like they were like slapdash thrown together. Yes. 
Like they were like, hey, how do you want to host these? Oh, that's a good idea. Here, you do that. Well, there was no consistency either. Like I went to two that were, you know, within a couple hours drive of each other and they were run very differently. I don't know if they know how they're going to do it for yeah. this next setup. Yep. Uh, which which is a theme throughout some of this is we don't know if organized play knows what they're going to do. Right. But I think on some level, that's not a huge concern where most of our listeners are. Right. right? That's not going to impact FNM. That's not going to impact going to a GP, right? If that's something you want to do, you want to go to the GP yeah. to go to the GP. And if you go 8-1 on day one, then you're like, oh, I just have to, I, I can get there. <laughs> okay. Then there are MCQs at GPs. Yep. These are structured just like your local MCQ, mm-hmm. but they're bigger. Are they bigger? I think both of ours were like 400 players. Oh, wow. Okay. They're way bigger than I think our first one was definitely 400 players, and my other, my second one was probably pretty close. Okay. It le- they're at least as big. They're at yeah. least 150 to 200 players. Yeah. And I, I think the first one was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and they run one a day every day of a GP? Yeah, I think they might have run more, and they might have run two the second day or something. Was there was there two on Saturday? Yeah, there was a, uh, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. And then uh, we have down here top 16, the Mythic Qualifier Weekend on Arena. Mm-hmm. Are they doing those again? I don't know. Uh, as far as I know, they are. I assume they are, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. Because they're only going to do two of these online ones. Yeah. So I don't know how often they're going to f- fire the. If they're every six months, yeah, I guess I don't know either. We don't even think about it now, right? We we only started having like the latter, yeah, in January, yeah, and then it was like March, April. Those were the two months. The two months that counted. MCQ, yeah. So when's the next? When's the next Arena Mythic Championship? I don't know. I don't know. So like, is it gonna be like, hey, uh, June, July, August? Because May didn't count for anything, right? So, like, if you were, like, number one in Mythic in May, congratulations, but it didn't qualify you for anything. Yeah. So, they haven't announced that they're going to do another qualification. But it seemed like a lot of people watched last weekend. I checked in on Twitch a few times, and it was, like, 48,000 people. Yeah. From what I heard, there was a lot of people, a lot of people watching, so. So, but that's the thing. So, like, if you make your, like, arena goals. Yeah. Right? Hitting Mythic and then kind of grinding your way up from there. That's uh, that's the thing to do. Now the uh, the mythic qualifier weekends, like the uh, the ones on arena, they only qualify you for arena. The online one. So they won't qualify you for a paper tournament. That is my understanding. Okay. That they feed into the smaller sixty six, sixty eight person. Yeah, I think it was sixty eight. So they only qualify you for that. Okay. Which still, it's a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Absolutely. It's seventy five hundred dollars for showing up. Yep, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take $7,500 for showing it to play Magic. Yep. Cool. There's also last chance qualifiers at every Mythic Championship because they're tied to uh, Magic Fest now. I did not know this. Yeah. There is a last chance qualifier the day before to qualify you for the... It's basically just like PT, uh, an MCQ the day before? Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. Yep. So we're planning on going to Richmond, right? Yeah, but that would be like Thursday. Like Yeah. I have a job where they don't, don't let me take days off of work. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that would be a thing. That would be a thing. Then if you have uh, waded into uh, Magic Online. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, there are the mocks qualifiers. Yeah. I had to do some research on this because I've been playing, you know, reasonably competitively now for like five-ish years. And uh, I had no idea how these events were run. It's like every week or every two weeks, there's like a mocks 
tournament mm-hmm. and then you qualify for that and then you quali- you qualify for the monthly mocks right then you play the monthly mocks and if you win that you get like a pro tour invite plus you get to go to the like magic online championship yes and uh, then the runner up from the playoffs are also get an invite okay so two people get yep. an invite yep so probably if any of you follow magic content Probably the most famous person as of late to win a mox is uh, Nubatanami, Kenji. Yep. yep. So Kenji won a mox, and that's how he got his first Pro Tour invite. Mm-hmm. And then he finished second at the Magic Online Championship. Yep, that is a way. It requires you to play Magic Online, yeah. and that is the big hurdle, I think. Yeah, I, uh, I don't recommend it. Yeah, and I think that even though Magic Online has like thinned out... I'm sure that a lot of the like higher level players cycle back in for the moxes. Yeah. Because it's an easy, easy in air quotes way to qualify for a mythic championship. Yeah. As long as you don't mind hating yourself for a couple hours to get familiar with the interface again. Yeah. I think that's basically it. If you want to, if you want to uh, get into the MPL, start your Twitch channel now. Yeah. Cause it seems like that's how you get in and uh, get some Twitch followers and uh, get that Twitter page up. Yeah. Get some Instagram likes, like make that, make that all happen because that does seem like one of the clearer paths. Yeah, realistically, they have said no information on how to qualify None. for the like, MPL. Your, your your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, and like, now, is it a dartboard? Is it a hat? I mean, now without pro points because last year they were like the top thirty-two yeah. pro point getters. Well, there aren't pro points to get. Right. So how are we going? Well, to... there are mythic points though, but nobody knows what they're for either. And like, how do we get mythic points? You don't get mythic points to go to a GP. Right. So I'm not sure how you get mythic points. Yeah, it's a currency that did not think out. Yeah. Kind of like energy. Yeah. It's a currency <laughs> they didn't think about all the ramifications of. But yeah, we don't really know how to do that. Mm. I think the MPL is going to look very different next year than it does this year. Yeah. I think they're going to like lean more towards streamers and personalities then they are going to lean to just like the best which kind of stinks for uh competitive magic a little bit it does it does but i think they're trying to sell their product and get yep. like arena in front of eyeballs oh no i get it trust me so, i get it but no offense to some mpl members some of you guys are like blocks of wood like yeah not, <laughs> it's no like, personality it's not exactly like ooh, this is riveting and entertaining yeah hello guys i'm gonna play magic Yep. Very well and robotically. <laughs> Here we go. Like four hours of that, you're like, oh, wow, this game's awful. Yeah. Those are kind of all like kind of goals and kind of ways that we can get to things right now. Mm-hmm. Remember, keep them small and attainable. Absolutely. And like work your way up. I think we've gotten to the point where like we're at like when an MCQ is like a reasonable goal. Mm-hmm. Day to a GP. Yep. And then run hot as the sun. Yep. Is Hopefully. a reasonable goal. I think those are all like attainable yeah. at, at where we are. I agree. You know, if you work your way up, you'll, you know, not that we're like super like untouchable, right? But you'll get to that level eventually mm-hmm. if you're yeah, starting I mean, out. We, we haven't done anything but play. We play a lot. We haven't played like an obscene amount. Yeah. Someone tweeted out the other day that when you qualify for the mocks, they tell you how many games of Magic Online you've played. Oh, boy. And he like worked it out. It was like a year or two years of his life. He's like, if wow. each of my matches is 30 minutes, I've played Two this, years many of magic. Mi- yeah, this many minutes of magic. It was wow. something absurd. 
it's like, yeah, I don't think I've done that much. Yeah, I definitely haven't. A while back, uh, a listener whose uh, Twitter handle escapes us. Yep, sorry. Uh, sorry, I, I should have gone back and looked. Asked us what it meant to go over the top. Mm-hmm. And so we thought this would be a good opportunity to talk a little bit about some common magic vocabulary. Yeah, just kind of terms that we use throughout the podcast that maybe we didn't explain so hot. Or things that you'll hear like at an FNM. I think there's especially that terminology, and we probably won't get into all of it. There's definitely a big terminology change from like arena, yes, where you're interacting with emotes. Yeah, where if you're smart, you have your emotes turned off. Um, I always have my emotes turned off. Yeah, I'm just playing against a nameless, faceless, emoteless robot. Yep. Uh, Sparky. Uh, <laughs> Poor Sparky. That's how I get my win? Just Sparky. He does not count towards uh, <laughs> wins, unfortunately. No. Um, to like going to an F and M, and there is definitely a language. Mm-hmm associated with magic and it often makes little to no sense if you don't know like the origins so we wanted to go over some terms that you might encounter uh kind of broad terms Mm -hmm. when you like kind of first show up to an fnm or just in general so before we get into this list what's the weirdest one you can think of i think the one that makes I guess it makes sense, uh, is like red zone. Okay, that's not what I was going to say. I was saying getting into the red zone. Mm-hmm. People say like when people attack. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear people say, I'm going to swing. Right. Which is attack. Or like, you know, people say, oh, we got his getting into the red zone. Mm-hmm. And that comes from the old Pro Tour mats, the way they were set up at the yeah. Pro Tour. They had a red bar down the middle. Yeah. And so when you would attack, you would you like move push your guys forward, forward into the, that red bar. Yeah. And it just became like getting into the red zone. Yep. And so, it's again, it's a thing that if you don't know the origins, you're like, well, why is it getting into the red zone? The uh, I think the weirdest one that I can think of is probably putting pants on it. Oh, putting pants on it and sending them to school? Yeah. I think that's probably the weirdest one that I can think of. Yeah. So, uh, a nerd is any kind of generic eh, creature. Thing, right. Yeah. It's a nerd. Yep. Pants are what? Either enchantments or equipment. Usually enchantments, but like equipment's kind of newer, so yeah, and we'll, we'll you, lump that in there too. Yeah. And then sending them to school is again is attacking with them, right? Yep. So you dress you dress them all up, all nice and pretty, and yep. then you just send them in. <laughs> that is when people play boggles. Yeah, absolutely. They put pants on their nerd, yep. and then they send them send to them school. school. Yep. But yeah, pants on the nerd. That is a good one. Yeah, I thought that was that was the weirdest one that I could come up with. I think honestly, though, the weirdest ones are legacy deck names. Oh, that, that's a whole other episode. That's a whole podcast yeah. of just like random collections of. Like, I kind of wish we'd get back to that though. Like, I'm so sick of seeing like lists of deck names, and it's like Wooburga Agro. It's like, well, that, yeah. I mean, it tells me the colors and like what its game plan is. Oh, but, but definitely, you gotta nothing. have a, you gotta have the capital or the lowercase. Yeah. It's mostly white and green, but there's some black in there too. So, so the there's black's a lower, lowercase. There's a lowercase b. Yeah. Right. Old magic deck names are just like random things mm-hmm. like Cheerios, and there is moldy Cheerios, and there's Dead Guy Ale. Yep. And there's Nick Fit, and Nick Fit it resulted from a misspelling on like an old, like yeah, it was, it was like a Reddit, a Reddit post or something, or like a precursor to yeah. Reddit some message board post in there. So there's all these. Little tin fins, tin fins. There's all these little histories to the names, yeah. And now they've kind of been homogenized to like, I'm going to call this Sultai Agro. Yeah, it's four color good stuff. Well, okay, but what's it doing? That's why in our group, yeah, when we name deck lists, they are oftentimes some type some type of Stompy. Mm -hmm. I think Cameron names Infect Infect Stompy or like Phyrexian Stompy. (laughs) Phyrexian Stompy. That's pretty good. Uh, 
Eldrazi, I call it like spaghetti, spaghetti stompy. Yeah. So Cameron likes everything to be stompy. Yep. I mean, if names don't mean anything anyway, then why not? Yeah. And sadly, if you go like 12-0 at a Star City event, they're not going to like put your deck list name up as like... No, they're going to change it, yeah. To whatever they want it to be. Stompy is like, refers to like decks that usually play some sort of prison element. Yeah. But then just like big dumb creatures. Right. Because it doesn't, you can win the game with a hand sandwich after after you've got the prison lock on. Yeah, you just like matter. place a big stompy creature and you yeah. get to win the game. Yep. So if someone says they're playing stompy, mm-hmm. big dumb creature, yep. and probably some sort of way to keep you from doing stuff. Yep. We can maybe go back to a few other ones in a bit. Sure. But so what is they're going? They want to play a go wide deck. Or yeah, we um, we had talked about this when we were going over the um, challenger decks, uh, specifically the mono white one, and we referenced going wide a whole bunch. But I don't think we ever actually explained what it was. Going wide is just trying to swarm your opponent. Um, if your opponent has like one or two threats, you want seven threats so you can go wide around them. And your your threats typically aren't really good they're oftentimes one ones or two twos yep and then you'll oftentimes play some way to augment them yep some sort of anthem which is another terminology word so anthem comes from the old timey card glorious anthem yep which was just all creatures you control get plus one plus one yep something like that so like banalish marshall Mm-hmm. Is a creature that is also an anthem. It makes all your stuff bigger. Yep. So you take you make your bunch of one ones, a bunch of two twos. Now they're better threats. Right. Or you use uh, venerated loxagon. Yep. Is also make, kind of an anthem. Yeah. To take and make all of your one ones into two twos. Now they're like actual things that matter. Yep. And now you are wider than your opponent is. Correct. Then there's going tall. Going tall is kind of the opposite of going wide, where instead of having, you know, a large board presence where you're swarming your opponent, you're just focusing on one threat. It can be boggles-ish, where you're putting pants on your nerd and making them really tall, or it can be kind of a sticky threat that's hard to deal with that's also large, like a Carnage Tyrant or something like that. Um, Those are both different ways to go tall, but it refers to like a singular, sometimes two threats that are just very big. Yeah, another another thing similar to putting pants on your nerd is battle cruiser magic. Yes, that too. Right, where you're just taking one thing and just putting auras and equipment mm-hmm. and just making it really, really, really big. Well, I mean, battle cruiser means more than that, though. Battle cruiser is like where you're you're spending the entire game setting up for one play, and then you make that play and you win. Like uh, Rise of the Eldrazi was battle cruiser magic. You were setting up your board. You were gathering fifteen mana to cast an Emrakul. Like your whole game plan revolved around doing one thing, and the first like seven turns are just setting up for that. Um, that I think that's more battle cruiser magic. Okay. Um, and then we have going under. Mm-hmm. So that is usually aggressive decks. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get, get the opponent dead before the opponent can set up their defenses. Correct. So they're trying to get under their defenses mm-hmm. before they have a chance to do anything. Yep. So that's getting getting under. Mm-hmm. Then there's going over the top. Yep, which is the which, opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is the question that we got asked, which mm-hmm. is what is going over the top. So going over the top is when you cast really big spells that kind of invalidate what your opponent has done previously. I think that the second part of that is the more important part. Yeah. Um, they don't necessarily have to be big spells, but you get to a point in the game where everything you do is just objectively more powerful than what your opponent's doing. 
Yeah, and so that's going over. That's like Command the Dread Horde. Yes. It's a six mana spell, so it's not a huge mana investment. Mm-hmm. But what you get back puts you in a commanding position to win the game. Right. Right. You've just done something so big mm-hmm. that everything that's happened beforehand doesn't matter because now you have... You've caught up. You've yeah, taken the lead. You've got eight power on board or yep. 12 power on board. There are four, four planeswalkers. Planes and you are now objectively ahead in this game. Yep. Ramp decks are usually decks that go over the top. Where yes. You, where you're like, you spend your early turns holding on and trying to get a bunch of mana. Mm-hmm. So then you can start doing your big, flashy thing that like catches you up and puts you ahead. Yeah. I mean, if you're resolving a Karn Liberated, it really doesn't matter if your opponent played a Bob the turn before. Yeah. Um, Bob is Dark Confidant for everyone. Oh, sure. Yep. There's another terminology. Bob is. Uh, Bob Maher. Mm-hmm. So there's a time in Magic where there were these tournaments that if you won them, you got to design a busted Magic card. Yeah. And they would fight with you to make it not too busted. And they were all great. Well, most of most them were of them. great. There, there were a few misses. Yeah. Sorry, Kai. Yeah. And sorry, John Finkel. Yeah. And they actually put your likeness on the card. Mm-hmm. So if you look at cards, there are a few cards that you're like, that you're like, why Why does this guy look like Ken Jong? Yeah. And it's like, oh, because the guy who designed Snapcaster Mage look like Ken Jong. Yeah. This Snapcaster Mage has Ken Jong on. <laughs> so like so you have Command now and I think Nexus is a go over the top. Oh there. yeah, absolutely. Right. Nexus where, is. where you're like, hey, I'm at one life, but now I'm just gonna start doing giant, giant things mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter what's in your hand because you're not gonna get to use any of those cards. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's on the board because you're not gonna get to use any of those cards anymore. Right. I'm just going to do something big and ridiculous. Yep. Um, I don't know like how popular the deck still is, but Team of Rec- Reclamation was also a... Yeah, a very similar thing where yep. I'm just going to get a ton of mana and do something giant. Yep. And then there are some other terms I had written down real quick, mm-hmm. like Wrath. Yeah. Uh, refers to a board wipe where destroy all creatures. Uh, references Wrath of God. From the very first one. The very first one. If you're an old school player, two white, white, bury all creatures. Bury all creatures. Which yep. means destroy them and they cannot be regenerated. Correct. Which is how it's written now. We got rid of yeah. bury. Yep. You have mill. Mm-hmm. Uh, references millstone, I believe, also yep. from Alpha. Um, which was like two mana for an artifact and yep. you tapped it. I don't think it had a mana ability. Uh, I it? think you pay two and tap it. Pay two and tap it. Yep. And the, your opponent puts the top three cards of their library into their graveyard. It's two or three. Two yeah. or three. And so now any card that causes you or your opponent to put cards from their library into their graveyard, mm-hmm. your call is milling them. Yep. I'm going to mill you out, which means I'm just going to take all your cards from your graveyard or from your library and put them in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. So that term is one that just kind of like floats around. Yeah. Like people like just kind of take for granted. Yep. That's where it comes from though. Bolt. If someone just says bolt, it's from lightning bolt. And that mm-hmm. kind of like encompasses almost anything that like deals Does damage. damage to any target. Like shock is kind of a bolt. Uh, lightning strike is kind of a bolt. Yeah. Like, so like, so it's like bolt your guy. Yeah. They're dealing damage to it with a spell. Yep. Right. Uh, so there are all these bolt little. Bolt the bird, I guess is. Is old timey. Yeah, that's old timey. So, uh, Birds of Paradise. Yep. Uh, Land of War Elves that fly. Yep. Uh, but makes one man of any color. Mm-hmm. And so it was always like, well, you're supposed to lightning cast Lightning Bolt to kill the bird. Yep. Because you don't want your opponent to have extra mana. Or fix their mana or whatever. Yeah, so Bolt the Bird yeah. is still uh, still relevant. Yeah, you'll still hear, hear people say it. Um, even when it's a Land of War Elf. Yeah, even if it's a Land of War Elf and a Shock, it's still yeah. Bolt the Bird. Any other, like... I'm trying to think now. Yeah, I know. We were like, we'll totally remember stuff when we do it. And now we're like, 
oh man, we see all these things all the time and uh, we don't like... Think How about, about you guys tell us what you want to hear? Yeah, exactly. So If there's any vocabulary that you you wonder why people say... Or, or like, yeah, or like, what does this mean? Because mm-hmm. like, I can understand like being, you know, new to your F and I mean, you don't want to be like, uh, so swing. I kind of inferred what that means, yeah. but why are we doing this? And it's like, yeah, I don't know why we call a cantrip a cantrip. I've like looked for a card called cantrip. I don't um, know. It actually references D and D. Oh, the like cheap, easy spells to cast, like for wizards and stuff, where cantrips they they don't have a big effect on the game, but they're you know they have small importance or easy to cast whatever. That's why that's why they're cantrips. See, I learned something today. Yep, that that was a good one. Yeah, I'm glad you. I could help you out there. Thank you, thank you. There is like a language that you kind of have to pick up on mm-hmm. as you play, but it comes relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you have anything, let us know. Yeah. So we had someone uh, Ken here. Yep. With a sweet last name. Yeah. Uh, Sex Smith. <laughs> I hope you didn't get made fun of in school. Uh, I don't know why you would. That's a yeah, great last name. That is name. a great last name. One of the like, are old sets worth getting into shortly before rotation? Um, the answer is kind of maybe. Sweet. Glad we can be of assistance, everyone. Yep. Uh, talk to you later. <laughs> and we talked about it. it. depends on what kind of player you are and why you're getting the cards. Yeah. Um, I know Like, if I have a big event that is important to me coming up, it doesn't matter when it is. If I need the cards, I need the cards. Yeah, like, I've gone to like events I, and just bought, like, yeah. gone to vendors and, like, I need this. Yeah, if I have, you know, shown up to an event and decided that this is the best deck for me to play at this tournament, then to a point, um, I don't really care that the card's going to rotate and I'm going to lose, you know, 30 bucks or whatever. But, like, if you're getting them for, like, let's say you're trying to, like, invest in cards, right? right? I think that is... A finer line, there's really no reason to buy them before rotation. Correct. Yeah, if it's not a deck that you're, like, needing to play before rotation, then... You can wait a few months after Yeah. that price memory, which is a weird thing Magic has where, mm-hmm. oh, I paid $10 for this card. I remember paying $10 for this card. Yeah. I don't want to sell it for less than $7. Yeah. So the card's now worth $7 to me. Even though it sees no play anywhere. Yeah. So there are cards that randomly have that kind of price memory. But you can wait a little while and then get them significantly cheaper. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying, if you're trying to say like, "Oh, I think Legion's Landing mm-hmm. is going to get played in some uh, modern tokens deck," mm-hmm. I'm going to wait a few months because I don't think yeah. pieces are there. But I want to have them in case the pieces are there. Right. Then you pick them up for fifty cents as opposed to picking them up for two dollars. Right. Uh, typically, like a month or two after rotation is the bottom. Then they it, start to get scarce. Yeah. Unless you're like on a hard long term spec, then you can wait longer i guess one of the cards that i recently specced on was death mist raptor yes um i had sold all eight of mine when they were still standard legal for something stupid like, like 20 bucks a pop or 20 something yeah i think it was 24 dollars a piece and then said you know i'll pick these up when they're when they've bottomed out and i think about a month ago i bought 20 of them for you know 40 something cents a piece just in case there was morph in uh yeah in modern horizons, horizons. yep there was not there was not but yeah, I think that that's reasonable to like kind of look at a card and be like, I want to get this mm-hmm. when it's at its bottom because I think it's going to be around. But if you are like, I want to play this deck at F&M and you mm-hmm. don't mind being like, well, this card's $2 a piece now, but in a month it's going to be 50 cents. I don't mind losing $6 to play yeah. this deck, then fine. Well, let's talk about uh, something that I was actually asked at the store was uh, Rekindling Phoenix. Now, I know that recently they have come down quite a bit, but say like two months ago when they were still, you know, 
20, 22, 24 bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to buy rekindling Phoenixes knowing that they're going to rotate in four months? I didn't. I didn't either. Well, I, I mean, I already had mine, but. I, I bummed them off of you and other people. Yeah. I had two regular ones and a foil that I ditched a while back mm-hmm. and got some reserve list cards. Yep. Yay. And then. Um, yeah, you're pretty good at that. I just get reserve list <laughs> cards, people. Just random reserve list stuff. But I, I wasn't going to spend $24. Right. I'm willing to play a deck that is like 95% power mm-hmm. or borrow what I need yeah. as opposed to spend $50 on a card that's going to be worth nothing. Nothing. Yeah, and, I mean, they're already like down to $8 or something. I, I mean, think. they fell off a cliff when they got reprinted in yeah. the Challenger deck. Yeah. So, yeah, like those kind of things, like I have a hard time like spending a lot on standard cards. Mm-hmm. My parents got me magic packs for Christmas because mm. I'm still a child and Santa comes. <laughs> and um, I opened a big Teferi and I immediately got rid of him. Yeah. Because I was like, it's not a card I'm going to play, though I've played a few decks that needed a Teferi recently. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, this is like $35. Like, I'm just going to get rid of yep, this. Make like, it go this away. Is, yeah, this is makes no sense for me to hold on to this. Yep. Yeah, I have a hard time buying really expensive standard cards, especially if there's not like a tournament. And right. Like you said, if there was a tournament, like if I drove to Richmond to play in a GP. Right. And I needed rekindling phoenixes and they were 20 bucks, I'd be like, I drove all this way. Yeah. I'm going to spend the money on these cards if I can't borrow yeah. them from someone. I mean, I in that scenario, worst case is you buy list them when you're done and, you know, eat. Eat the 25 bucks you lost or whatever. Yeah. So if you're trying to spec, I think wait a little bit. Yeah. If you're trying to play, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like if you're like, I really want to play Four Color Command, but I don't have Jade Light Rangers. They're like 3 or $4 now. Yeah. Like you'll get that much enjoyment out of them. That's the other part of this that's harder to quantify is that like in Magic in general, there is a sunk cost. Like you're not going to get all of your money out of every card that you buy ever. Some of that dollar value comes from you enjoying the game, enjoying the cards, enjoying the interactions. And like you kind of have to come up with that on your own, like what that dollar limit is, what it's worth to you. Yeah, I think like think about it like a movie ticket, like we're depending mm-hmm. on where you are. Right, a movie ticket's ten to twenty dollars, depending on like yep. where you live. Right, if you buy a movie ticket, like you don't get that money back. I think I've used this example before. Mm-hmm. Right, your magic cards are like your ticket to playing the game. Right, and so the fact that you get any of it back mm-hmm. is a plus mm-hmm. compared to if you just went to go see Avengers. Yep. Right, you'd be like, oh, I saw Endgame, cost me 15 bucks. Cool. I had two hours of entertainment. Right. Right. You probably have more hours of entertainment out of your magic cards. Oh, yeah. That is one way to think of it is like, it's an entertainment thing that right. like, if you, you're paying for an experience. Mm-hmm. Part of it absolutely is. And that's also, like, I know this question specifically was asked about rotation, but that's kind of another reason to branch out into other formats also. Um, whether you want to play modern or legacy or whatever this next arena format's going to be or like even if you you want to play commander i know that's the c word we're not going to talk about it but that's a place where you can play like the sweet cars that you enjoyed you know from standard and you know you still get to play them i forgot about the arena format i did ditch all my standard stuff so uh oops let's let's hope (laughs) let's hope this doesn't go too bad i got two i got three grim i'm fine yeah there you go it is a complicated question Mm mm-hmm I think, like you said, kind of maybe. Yep. Like, those are the things to think about is, like, why are you doing it? What are you hoping to get? Mm -hmm. Right. And go from there. So, real quick, I want to ask two more questions that are kind of, uh, like, tangentially related to this question. Okay. Uh, Number one is, when's the best time to buy into Standard? Hmm. I think that, like, now... 
going a little forward. So now you know that M the core 20 is going to be in for a year. Yep. And if you start buying now, you know, and then you get into the fall set, mm-hmm. that fall set's going to be around for two years. Right. So if you start getting in now at core 20 in the fall set, then you can go look back and then kind of cherry pick the singles. Yeah, fill in the blanks. For your given deck. Like this deck plays two hostage shakers. Yep. I don't want to give up my percentage points for not for playing Chupacabra. Right. First hostage shaker, so I'm going to buy the hostage shaker. Yep. But you can kind of pick and choose. But I think now is probably a, a reasonable spot to get in because you're going to have that fall set on the horizon. Yep. I 100% agree with you. And that would have been my answer is right now. For the reasons that you said, right now is you, you have the fewest number of sets behind you that you're going to have to, you know, have to procure cards from. And you're also, the current sets are going to be in standard for the longest. Yeah. So I think right now is the best time to buy into standard. Yeah, and like Corset is a good place to like come in because it's yeah. usually a less complicated set. Though this set does have some complexity to it. I don't know if complexity is the right term because I think we're back to how Corsets used to be. But it's more, there's more answers. Like Corsets used to be a way to answer what the format was doing. Yeah, they used to, it used to be a, a place where they could put in cards that they didn't have to fit into a, a particular right. story. Yep. So you could put in Pithing Needle, right, which is kind of a universal answer for activated abilities, mm-hmm. but you didn't have to like tie it to the story. Tie it to the story and be like, oh well, this group of gnomes likes yeah. Pithing Needles. It's like, no, that doesn't seem like that. Yeah, that's right. weird. Yeah, right. So they don't have to do that. They can just be like Pithing Needle. I think yep. the last core set, they just like were like, we're gonna reprint a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they've done that in this one. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, we are kind of going back to like hosers, though. Yeah, definitely like old school, like yeah. color hosers. Like yep. this is cheap and kills blue or red things. Yeah, and they're like they're good check valves for the format to make sure that nothing runs away too hard. Yeah, we um, could have used that one in mono to fairy for the last six months. Absolutely. So, okay, what was your second question? When is the best time to sell out of standard? I typically try to sell out April, May, if I can. Okay. I got out. I got out this time around June. Okay. The summer standard season is usually like where I have the least number of cards. Right. Because I've tried to get off of them before they start to like make their slide down Mm -hmm. uh, because of rotation. Mm -hmm. There's enough people willing to pay like full freight for a Teferi in May. Yep. Even though in October it's going to rotate out Mm -hmm. that you can get still get pretty good value. Yeah. And then you just have like a few months where you're like, well... I'm going to like cobble together some like C plus decks. Maybe borrow some cards, whatever. I'm a little bit earlier than you. Um, I usually try and pick whatever deck I'm going to play for that season and then sell the rest like February, March. Okay. Just to try and get max value out of them. Like in February, March, nobody's really thinking about rotation yet. So a lot of those really high dollar cards are still really high dollar. Whereas if you wait until, you know, April, June, people are starting to think about rotation. It's only like three months away now. So yeah. So somewhere in there, like spring, late winter, early spring, somewhere in there. This year I didn't get out until the GP because I just didn't have an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Well, I do a little bit more like on buy list than you do, though. You you like to get rid of your cards in person. I don't mind shipping mine out. Yeah, I'm a weirdo. I'm old. Yeah. (laughs) I want to see the transaction, man. All right. So we have taken a bit of a hiatus on the podcast from Arena Talk. Yeah, it's been uh, like three weeks, I think, since we really did a deep dive in Arena. We've been kind of um, skating around it and not really talking about it a whole lot. And we apologize because we do. uh, That is one of the things that we had wanted to do with this podcast is 
provide some information for Arena. So we are going to try and get back to that. Hopefully uh, this set shakes things up a little bit, and then definitely this fall with rotation. Yeah, I think that for me, I just wasn't enjoying yeah. Arena. And like to talk about it, I would have to like play it. Yeah. And so since they presented me with like whatever goofy mm-hmm. Arena format, I was just doing that as yeah. opposed to sitting down and like grinding my way through. Yep. It's also uh, not that our listeners super care, but summertime in Myrtle Beach is a uh, kind of a hectic time. Yeah. So that's uh, that's why I haven't been doing a whole lot lately. Yeah, I'm supposed to have more time, and it hasn't happened in the summer. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of check in with like the Mythic Championship that we had, which was mm-hmm. an all arena tournament. Mm-hmm. It was the first tournament, the first Mythic Championship slash Pro Tour of this structure. Right. Right, where it was all played on computers. Mm -hmm. So it was very much like the Mythic Invitational. Uh, Except that it was actual standard instead of uh, duo Duo standard. standard. Yes, it was actual, like you pick a deck. Yep. But like the monitors back-to-back playing. Yeah. That was like the same thing that we had in the Mythic Invitational. Yep. So it was... The 32 members of the MPL. Yep. There were 16 uh, discretionary invites, which were invites that I like your face, have an invite. Yeah. And then you said there were 20 earned invites. I know that there were the 16 from Arena. Where were the other four um, from? I don't know. I just know that there was 68 players. Yeah. And there were there's 32 in the MPL. I thought it was... I thought the... I thought it was... 20 discretionary. I thought they had Oh, like, maybe. I thought it was 16, 16, and then they kind of added four people okay. at um, the end. For, I, I pulled this off a of goldfish. That's, so that's, 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 I, might, I might have got it screwed up. Yeah. And I guess like four of the MPL players automatically got to go to day two. Oh, yeah, that's true. So they kind of, they, I guess they needed like 64 people in the, in the first day to actually have like reasonable yeah, brackets. Probably. But yeah, so they have the splits, the seasons. Yeah. I think splits is like some like esport thing that yeah, I like. I, I don't know. Oh, what they it have means. seasons. Yeah. And the people that won their divisions in the season mm-hmm. went uh, automatically placed into day two. Okay. So you had uh, the people play day one to get to the top 12, mm-hmm. which was, it was weird. You played until you got like four losses, or at first they had said six wins, but then Greg Award went 7 0. Huh. So I was like, why did he have to play? Like, he already had yeah, six wins. That's weird. Then there were 12 players that moved on to day two, and then there were 16 total. Those 12 that moved forward. Plus the four people from the Spark Split okay. who won their won their divisions that are named after four of the five Moxen for some reason. Okay, they're like Ruby Sapphire, like that's weird. Yeah, but not all five. I'm like, this makes you know, there's five of them. That's right? just the Pokemon ones, then, right? I guess <laughs> Magic Leagues named after Pokemon <laughs> Pokemon games. There we go. Ruby Sapphire Emerald. I think those were all Pokemon ones. Yes. Um, the meta game was interesting. Yeah, thirty-eight percent of the meta was some sort of Esper. Twenty-five was Esper Control. Thirteen was Esper Hero. We have some hypothesis about uh, yeah, uh, like why that is. Do you want to share that? Or? I'm willing to share it. Like whatever. Right. Most of the MPL players were on Esper. Either Esper Hero or Esper Esper Control. Control. Uh, mainly because that's a very that's a deck that you can gain a lot of edges on by being good at the game and not like necessarily relying on you know the right top deck at the right time or whatever. A lot of the invitees, yeah, that were at kind of at the higher end of Magic mm-hmm. skill, like Luis Scott Vargas, right, Kai Buda, right. These people that are 
you know, better magic players all gravitated towards Esper. Yeah. Um, in case you don't know, uh, we're gonna we referenced Kaibuta a little bit earlier, and we just did now. A lot of people that are like just getting into the game probably don't know who he is. They do not. Probably the best player to ever play the game. John Finkel wants to talk to you. Well, sure. There, there's an argument that the best. They're in the three, same room though. That the best three players in Magic's history are John Finkel, yeah. Kaibuta, and then Luis Scott Vargas. Yes. In some order. Yeah. I think I said the order that most people kind of agree on, but there, Probably. Was, a, there was a stretch in the early to mid two thousands where Kaibuta just won everything. Everything. And like they pointed out in the telecast that only two people would ever beat him on a Sunday. <laughs> if he made if he made Sunday of a Pro Tour, he yeah. won seven out of nine. Wow. And the last person that ever beat him was Brad Delson. Yeah. I think that the people that gravitated towards Esper felt like they had a skill advantage. Yes. And you know, maybe because it's like, oh, hey, you're here because you have like 1,500 Twitch followers. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're that good. Right. I'm going to play. I'm going to play a deck that will outplay you. That I can outplay you. Yeah. Now, none of them are going to be like, oh, I thought such and such streamer right. was a scrub. Right. But I think they thought that such and such streamer was a scrub. Could very well be. And that they were like... I mean, if you look at the deck choices, it kind of supports that. I I think this article that I pulled the information out of on Goldfish actually said that a lot of the one and two ofs, the decks that didn't even make my list, were all um, like invites. They weren't NPL players. Yeah, they were like, I'm going to play this deck because I've played it or I enjoy it. Like, was it at the Mythic Invitational, like pterodactyls for the win yeah played dinosaurs yeah. to like be on brand yeah Ooh. uh <laughs> yeah so i feel like there was definitely some like i'm gonna go play control i started playing i was playing arena yesterday or saturday mm-hmm. and i just ran into like nexus ramp yeah and esper control and i'm like guys this is this is not why you should be doing this like, right. what are we doing that skews the meta mm-hmm. and i think it's going to skew the meta on arena for a while because mm-hmm. everyone's going to assume that it was the best deck yeah and well, not think about it might have been the best deck for that for that person for that person for that tournament for that tournament like yeah. a very like a very specific thing yeah um and i think like a lot of arena players in general don't get that um like we kind of get it because like we've been to bigger events where lantern control was the best deck for this event it's not a good deck, but it was the best deck for this event. And people that haven't been playing that long might not understand that as well. I mean, there was a stretch, um, like two years ago, a year ago, where like Brad Nelson, they played a deck one week. Mm-hmm. They won. Mm-hmm. He knew then that everyone was going to play that deck. So he, he played, he played like the deck to beat it. mono white, like yeah. angel thing that just ate yeah. that deck alive and yep. then just like beat everyone who like ran to that as the best deck yeah like, oh. well that was kind of a that was like a running joke with star city like all, all of the star city grinders would write their articles about a deck and then play the deck that beats that deck for like that coming weekend yeah because they would know that everyone would just play that deck yeah and so i think that a lot of people are going to run to esper control not realizing that that build of esper control with two command the dread hordes right like that was like those are very specific choices for what they anticipated the metagame being. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, if we're all on Esper Control, that means everyone else is on Esper Control, so how do we beat Esper Control? Right. Oh, we resolve a Dread Horde. Right. Well, then that means I have to play, like, two Elder Spells in my main deck. And so, like, it's this inbred kind of thing. Yep. The uh, Pro Tour meta is similar. The pros typically gravitate towards Control, mm. though recently, like, the Control decks haven't been good enough. Right. 
So for like maybe the last two years, it's been a lot of like aggro yeah. decks. I mean, it really has. If you look back at the decks that have won, it was, you know, mono white, mono blue, mono red, mono red, mono red. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And it's been a while since like a control deck has kind of been yeah the kind of the story of the tournament. Mm-hmm. But pros typically will gravitate towards the control deck to because they think they can leverage their skill advantage. Right. Well, I meant just more about being inbred, though. Like, the Pro Tour meta is more inbred than yeah, like the typical meta is. Yeah, because it's a smaller tournament, and yeah. you know 150 of the right. 450 competitors, and you know what they gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. I know if I sit down against Greg Orange, he's going to be playing Esper cards. Right. Okay, cool. I know if I sit down against Reed Duke, he could play anything, but he really wants to play green and black cards. He really wants to play green and black cards. Man after my own heart. If if there's a green and black deck that is reasonable, he will find a way to play it. Yep. Even if it's bad. Yeah. And um, he'll make it look good. So there, so there was Esper, then there was Phoenix. Yep. Uh, 13% is it Phoenix. And uh, then there was Bant Ramp. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in here, there was also Simic Ramp kind of Nexus-y strategies that kind of fall into that Bant Ramp category as well, right? I actually think that he was the only Nexus player. Well, I mean, no, Simon Gertson was on Nexus minus oh, was he? Wilderness Reclamation, so he was playing uh, oh, okay. Nerds to get around to Fairy, okay. so he didn't have to cast Nexus, but he was playing like a Ramp strategy. Okay. Just not traditional. Just not the traditional. Yeah. But they might have been the only two. Yeah. But like Bant Ramp is kind of the Simic deck with okay. like white cards in it, I think. But yeah, so those were the like decks that kind of tried to prey on Esper. Yeah. That yep. like control decks don't like it when you just get to cast like Haymaker after Haymaker. Right. Yeah, we have so many answers. Yeah. Only so many cards to catch them up. Yeah. And then uh, it was 8% mono white, 8% mono red. And then everything else after that was... Just random one ofs. Yeah, one and two ofs. 8%. Like how many decks is, is that list? Like four? Um, I think it was four or six. Okay. Not many. Not many, yeah. And like the mono white decks, there was like they were like Azorius aggro or Boros yeah, yeah, aggro. Yeah, they're, they're mono, mono white, white in yeah. quotes, yeah. I started to see the change in the meta because like I hadn't played against a whole lot of like Nexus or mm-hmm. like Esper. Now, granted, I was in gold, so I don't know how much of that yeah. impacts. And then it just seemed like I saw a lot of Esper mm-hmm. and like Nexus. I lost like, I played an opponent. Lost both games on turn four to Nexus. Okay. Like, just never took another turn. Then, like, I stopped and did other stuff, and then came back two hours later, got paired against the same person. Oh, man. Lost game one on, like, turn five. Never took another turn. Great. It's like, this is this is awesome. Yeah. This is great design, everyone. Yeah. Pat yourselves on the back. Like, playing an aggressive deck, like, swing for lethal, get fogged, and then never untap. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming that the ranked meta is going to be a bunch of Esper and a bunch of probably, probably Nexus because Nexus won. Yeah. There's also uh, a lot of players have this like short-sighted thing of if a deck won, it was clearly the best deck. Right. And it's like, well, no, like if Shahar Shanhar would have mulliganed to six instead of five. Yeah. Maybe he wins. And then the whole narrative of the tournament is like, oh, Mono Red's the best deck because he mm-hmm. won the whole thing as opposed to Nexus must be the best deck. Yeah. The best deck narrative oftentimes like doesn't, doesn't necessarily work. mean a whole lot. Yeah. 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 Especially like in modern or something. Yeah. Like when you look at, it's usually best to look at how many decks were in like the top 32 as right. opposed to the top eight. Oh, or more if you have the data for it. Yeah. 
because that gives you a better sense of what was actually yeah. consistently performing well. Yeah, I try and look at, um, like when I'm looking, especially for modern data, I try and just look at day two. I just want to see what day two, I mean, what wins the tournament and what places well is important, but like what decks are being represented in day two is equally as important in my eyes. So I think that, you know, not that the arena metagame is going to matter a whole lot in yeah. like a week, yep. which is crazy. Again, like we pointed out, we went to a Horizons release event. Yeah, last weekend. Last weekend, and this Friday they're going to dump the rest of the spoilers on us. Yeah. And then the following weekend it's... Pre-release. Pre-release. And like there'll be a whole new standard, hopefully. Yep. Try to get your last little grind in now. Yep. Expect some Esper. Expect some Nexus. Yep. Expect some sadness. (laughs) So I think that's basically it for the week, right? Yeah, I think that's all we had to talk about for today. Um, make sure you guys send us questions about M20 questions can be anything. If you want to know just about core sets in general, um, if you have questions on a mechanic, if you want us to give opinions on a specific card, if you want us to explain an interaction, whatever it is, let us know. We'll we'll do our best. Yeah. I'm a level 0.5 judge, which means I'm not a real judge. I am also not a real judge, but I will certainly do my best to walk you through it i've played enough magic where i think i can stumble through usually yeah so you can get those to us on twitter at casual tripod yep on facebook at casual tryhard mtg and you can email us at show at casual tryhard mtg.com um i believe also for the local players juan the guy that we're going to do the video video episode with is also going to post it on our like local chat yeah so you can so, get at it that way as well yep so uh, tell your friends to, to listen and yeah. to subscribe and all that jazz. Absolutely. And uh, let us know what you think. Shoot us show ideas. Most of this show came from interactions with you guys, so we yeah. we appreciate it. And uh, like, like you said, we're going to be doing uh, a podcast next week with Juan or the Very yep. Good Podcast Network. Yep. Uh, like I said, it'll be video the and then your typical audio experience. Yep. So look, be on the lookout for that. Yep. And uh, I do want to apologize real quick for audio quality. Um, I'm still getting over the GP funk, so sorry about that. Yeah, we both sound awesome. <laughs> so uh, with that, we'll catch you at FNM. Yep, we'll catch you at FNM.